JC Kemp. Howdy ho! How are you doing? Fancy meeting you here on the digital <laughs> spectrum. I feel like this is the only way our relationship can actually exist. <laughs> you know, I, th I think you're right. I think if we ever actually meet in real life, uh, time will stop. And well, actually, time has already stopped. So who knows? <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Well, for this week's Kona Cog podcast, Kona Cogcast? Cod, Cogcast. Cod, Cod Pog? Uh, yes, not, you not said the it. Codcast. <laughs> <laughs> not the Codcast. That's something else. You got to pay for that one. <laughs> so this week's guest is internet superstar Brooklyn Bell. What a gem, Brooklyn Bell. You know, she is the sweetest. We had some connectivity issues, probably because every single human on earth is on the internet all the time now. And so the, you know, the subway tubes of internet connectivity get clogged up. And so we got disconnected a few times and she was very kind about getting back on and picking up where we left off. I mean, can also hold a train of thought for exponentially longer than I can. <laughs> yeah, Brooklyn is, um, <clears throat> she, I guess the word that comes to mind when I think of Brooklyn is she's just impressive. She is young and talented and creative and extremely humble. Brooklyn is a representative of many people of color, women of color. She is all about empowerment. She is all about people just being better, being kinder. One of my good friends once told me her big mantra was to create what you want to be a part of. And I think Brooklyn has really embodies that so much. She, her artwork, she draws what where she wants to be. She creates her own heroes in her artwork. Her latest film, Becoming Ruby, is all about a character she designed that really, she wanted to create a hero that she felt like she could relate to. As a woman of color in the outdoor industry, it's, it's rare to find somebody that feels like you, that looks like you, that makes you feel like you belong. And she wanted to create this, this hero, this icon. And lo and behold, Brooklyn has become that person for people all over the place. And I think she's just incredibly impressive. She is impressive. And, and I think you're right. She has become that inspiring person. She told me that since the film came out last week, the thing that surprised her most is the sheer volume of people sliding into her DMs, just saying thank you and saying kind things. And it's amazing to see someone have that sort of impact. And it's extra amazing to see someone so, so kind hearted and so real and so true have that impact. I think that we're going to be hearing a lot more from her. And I think that everyone listening to this is about to hear at least 30 more minutes, uh, pretty much all about her. So with that said, I'm going to segue right into my talk with Brooklyn. Thanks, Lacey. Enjoy. It seems like you've had a heck of a week since your film came out, or at least I see your name popping up all over the place. Does it feel like, does it feel like a before and after moment? Um, I mean... Things kind of just feel pretty much the same. I mean, I am selling more prints. Um, I got a new bike this last week, which is pretty sweet, and just keep keep riding. Um, and of course, there kind of feels like there was initially like a lot of anxiety after the film came out because there was just so many Instagram DMs, like more Instagram DMs than I could ever respond to. And I remember... Like, I think it was the weekend after the film came out, I like carved out time just to respond to everyone, just because I wanted to make sure that everybody felt like they were seen and that they felt like they were heard. 
just because one of the biggest things that people you know responded back was like oh my gosh I feel the same and I'm like oh it's so refreshing to see so many other people who are in the same boat but other than that I feel like things have been the same every time I go riding people are like hey what's up I saw your film and I'm kind of at first it was a little bit nerve-wracking but now it's kind of like oh sweet more friends to shred with <laughs> rad what was yeah. it like to have a film crew follow you around how did that come to be <laughs> uh having a film crew follow me around um definitely had its like tough moments the crew that i was with was really great but dave uh myers the director he does a lot of work for vice and so they he just works on stories that are just you know just news and so i wasn't used to having like i had these two big cameras on me all the time um and while i was driving like i had a camera on me while i was like driving six hours to revelstoke and i really wanted some time to decompress and there were just moments where i had goals like for the day like i just wanted to go ride or you know like i needed to go do practice runs for race and like you know our crew had different goals too and so trying to find a way to like meet in the middle and also be really authentic to what my goals and like what i'm doing i think the weirdest thing though was Revel that was my first time in revelstoke and kind of like one of the goals for me for going out to revelstoke was to meet new people and it's really hard to meet and make connections with people when you have a film crew with you because you like kind of have these it's weird you kind of have these people who you like came with but because it's a documentary like these people are not really allowed to like really interact with what's going on they're just kind of supposed to be a fly on the wall <laughs> even though it's very like obvious that there's like two yeah. big cameras and like a huge boom and mic or whatever and you just sign <laughs> i did like have people that i talked to sign a waiver who'd never met me and i was like <laughs> it, it was definitely a strange way to try to make just new connections yeah but I think eventually I found really good ways to just kind of like have my own boundaries with the camera crew and be like, I actually really need five minutes to just like set up my bike or do my thing or talk to this person. And I ended up staying for another week in Revelstoke because I loved it so much. Um, and I did connect with a lot of really good people. Right on. Were there any other film crews there with, with other people or were you the only one? I was the only one. How long was the film in production? I think we did like two weeks of production, two weeks of filming. It came out great. I, I really like it. Has the response that you've seen been positive? Yeah, there's just been so much good, positive feedback. I think a lot of people are really starting to like kind of break down, you know, their own privilege and like understand what it means to be like, you know, liberal and racist, which is kind of a really tough concept for a lot of people and then there have been just so many people who just identify with my story and identify with ruby and are super inspired i've gotten a lot of messages from families who are like oh i finally have you know something to share with my young daughter who is latino or who is black who live in outdoor communities who are like yes like we have this 
and that was what I wanted. And that's, you know, Ruby for me, which is really cool. And then, of course, I think I've definitely gotten some like critique too. And certainly people who don't agree with my message and say things don't like, agree with your oh, message. Stuff- yeah, that just say like, this doesn't matter. Um, why are we still talking about race? You know, stuff like that. And when I was younger, I would hear stuff like that and I would just kind of shy away from conversation and kind of be like, well, maybe I shouldn't talk about this anymore. But I think now I am learning to have a much thicker skin. Yeah. What do you say to someone who who comes at you with that level of ignorance? I mean, this, you know, it does matter because a black man just got shot for going on a jog, you know, like stuff like that happens and it could be anyone, you know, you know, people who live in black bodies don't have the privilege of being seen as people who recreate unfortunately and that sucks it does suck it you know it's it seems to me that in a particularly divisive time racial issues there are a lot of people who want to put them on the back burner because it's almost like politically vogue with the the current ruling class to do so but mm-hmm. it seems like in cycling in particular, and this could be my own little bubble of people that I know, um, mm-hmm. between like the yourself and then there's the WTF Bike Explorers, it seems like women and people of color and trans people and queer people are really having a moment in cycling. Do you, do you see that as true? And how do you think it's impacting um, cycling culture as a whole? I think that, I think there is a moment if you're looking for it. I think if I open up my Instagram, this is one of the things that I tell people is like, you have to change what you're seeing. Um, So, you know, like I follow all of these people and there's just so much community that is just forming online and people are connecting with each other. And it seems like people are finally seeing each other and being like, oh my God, you're out here and you're out here and you're out here. We're all doing this, which is really cool. I think, you know, I jump on pink bike every single day and I see the same things in contrast to that, I would say. But it doesn't mean that I don't like what I see on pink bike. I love seeing the shredits and I am seeing more, more dialogue and more videos that are, and more articles that are just written and shot and feature women, which has been really great. But I think that we are definitely having a moment and it's definitely trendy, but I think that there's definitely needs to be more action in trying to make the space more inclusive. I agree with you. Because what on my go ahead on Sorry. like a on like a day to day, I mean, I think you know, with my buddies, like we don't talk about like my experience as a black lady. You know, when we go ride, I don't think, or if we did you know, I would probably be the person to bring it up. And there are a lot of people who haven't ever even had these conversations, haven't ever needed to. How do people who want to be advocates for that, how do they help expand the cause in cycling or just in life in general? 
what's the best thing that any one person can do? Um, so I think, first of all, these, these are just kind of like my quick tips are, you know, change what you are seeing on your feed. We all are seeing the same things and those things are kind of generating into our biases. Change what you're seeing. Follow different people. If the people that you're seeing in your feed all look the same, switch it up. I mean, I think I had to do that for myself. The other thing too is to, um, if you're really interested and excited about being more inclusive and understanding what it is to be in a, a white body and to think about whiteness as a race, white fragility, the book, um, you can order it on Amazon, you can check it out from the library. That's a really good resource. It is painful to read, but it's definitely worth it to kind of have a better awareness of how people are being treated. And then what is what are some other good helpful tips? I think the other thing too is urging local businesses, whether they're in cycling industry or not, to hire more people of color, hire more queer people, even if there's not, you know, diversity like happening and hiring in cycling industry, like just seeing black and brown people at our workplaces and not just having, you know, one person and making sure that these spaces are comfortable for everyone. I think about that all the time where it's like I have friends who might have, you know, a good job in town and I'm like, is there any people of color who actually work with you? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, you hire people all the time and you have the ability to like hire a big pool of people. Why not seek that out? And then I think the other thing too, being willing to kind of be a bridge builder, being willing to kind of switch up the groups of people that you ride with or set different goals for riding, being able to like bring people together. I think that is really rewarding. And then what was they have more? Um, <laughs> I have way more. You get asked this question all the time. <laughs> yeah, I am so prepared for this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I so I had a conversation over the winter with the founder of Quitzel Woods. We were actually in, we were hanging out in the Mount Baker Ski Lodge, and I run into these founders of Hoods to Woods. I'm like, what's up? There's like two other black people here at Mount Baker Skiria. Let's sit down and have lunch together in between laps. And uh, he was telling me, I asked him, I was like, what are, what are the barriers other than equipment and transportation to getting into snow, snow sports? And he was telling me, that the biggest thing was just having peers and people around these kids who just believed in them, who could tell them that they would be successful as a snowboarder, you know? Because I think there's yeah. a lot, there might be a lot of anxiety of, you know, well, if I do this thing or this thing, it might turn into this thing. I know the path for these options because I've seen other people do it but just having somebody like see you and also believe in you and just say well what if you tried this or what if you just kept going at this I think that's huge I think if you are anxious 
about the future or whether or not you can do something, having somebody just give you those words is so powerful. I remember when I first got into writing, I think it was maybe my third ride. I had a friend who simply just told me, he was like, if you keep writing, you could probably be good at writing. And I've always thought about that. I'm like, oh, if I just keep writing, then maybe I'll be good at writing. And that just kind of stuck with me, you know? Yeah. You mentioned growing up, uh, especially where you grew up in a predominantly white town, that you would often feel insecure. And that was one of the reasons that you created Ruby. Mm -hmm. As you've succeeded, and, and I understand the name of your film was Becoming Ruby, but do you feel as though you've transitioned beyond those insecurities or do you still find that you have them? Oh, I do still have them. <laughs> um, <laughs> imposter syndrome, like, it never, it, well, I mean, it does go away. It does, you know, has its moments in my life, but I think, I think I'm always still working on it. How does it flare up? Is it more of like a social thing or is it like you're writing and you're like, oh, do I deserve this? Do I deserve these sponsors? Or does it, does it run deeper than that? Um, I think it kind of comes from like, oh my God, do I deserve to be here? You know? Yeah. Do I huh. deserve, you know, uh, all that I'm doing? And sometimes I have to write down a list. I'll write down a list of like, okay, I do this, this, and this every single week, and I put in this work, you know, just to remind myself that, like, this is real, and this is reality, and I, this was my dream. I wanted to be here, and I wanted to become Ruby. I had no idea how that was going to look like. <laughs> I'm still working on becoming Ruby, but, um, yeah, I, I have to write down, like, little lists and little notes just to myself to remind myself that yeah I'm here. I think the other thing too is failure feels like sometimes feels just like I can't fail cuz you know like I I want to make everyone proud and I've had some moments where I've had things kind of fail and in those moments I've just had to just remind myself that that was just like a moment and I'm going to come across failure and not everything is going to be the way that I think it's going to be or it's going to be perfect and I have to tell myself that I I still worked hard even though I failed you definitely deserve everything you've gotten and I think you're doing an incredible job thank you so one of the things I love about your social media feed uh, is your artwork and it's clear that that's really important to you what inspires you uh, so many things inspire me. One of the things is music, like Anderson Pack's newest album, Ventura. I just started listening to Pink Floyd very recently, and that always inspires me. I get inspired by like little inside jokes between my friends or me and my sister. I'm inspired by archetypes, and I'm also inspired by, you know, creating more i guess representation in the outdoors and kind of creating characters that kind of live in the same world as ruby i am inspired by just feelings like the feeling of just going on a really dusty fast uh, mountain bike ride or that feeling when you are 
it's like the evening and you're just about to drop in and the sun is about to set and you just feel like you're in the most special place in the world. I definitely have this love for translating some of the feelings that I have into art. What mediums do you use the most? The process that I use to create my art is I draw everything out and then I will scan that and then I will put that on the computer and I color everything digitally. And I think that's kind of one of the things that makes my style kind of unique is that it is a combination of hand-drawn and digital and it feels gritty, but it also feels very clean too. I can see that, yeah. What kind of commercial stuff have you done with it? I have done skis for last season. I am coming out with skis for next season. I'm working on a snowboard graphic for Weston. I've done t-shirts for the American Alpine Club. Um, I've done work for outdoor research. What else have I done? I've just done stickers and decals for my bikes because... <laughs> If you haven't learned from the film or just this call, I give everything kind of a personality. And so every one of my bikes gets a little bit of a personality and a little bit of character too. And that makes it something that is unique to me and my riding. I saw that. And you named your bike Luna. Why, why did you name it that? So I named her Luna because she had just been upgraded. They upgraded the shock on that bike to like the super deluxe air shock from tram and just the changes that that shock made made it very quiet and that was like one of the things that I noticed about her like first ride was I was like wow she's really really quiet she's smooth she's got like kind of this all black matte look I was like I think she's just really quiet and strong and dependable and she is super humble. And so I just felt like Luna would be a really good name for her. And then I created a graphic to kind of go along what I was feeling when I was riding my bike those first couple of times. That's so cool. You said you just got a new bike. Yeah. What did you get? I am on the same bike, but oh, I okay. got some new components. Oh, right on. Yeah. What's your setup? Do you have anything that you do to customize it or anything besides the illustrations? Uh, on this bike, I put a coil on it. I've never ridden a bike with a coil on it, which has been really, really fun. I don't know if I'm quite sold on it, but it's definitely a, a cool feeling. What other things? I will usually, when I get a new bike, trim my handlebars quite a, a bit down just because I like to play and like pop off of things and like have a little bit more maneuverability. And I usually like to put like a shoulder, shorter... Uh, stem on her too just so I can kind of move back and forth on the bike a little bit easier that makes sense and you're, which process are you riding I am on the process 153 carbon do you have any other bikes that you ride a lot that is I just have one bike I've always just had one bike I've definitely been interested and curious about gravel riding one of the things that I've been wanting to do is build up a dirt jumper because that sounds like a lot of fun and a really cool way to build up some new skills. But yeah, I've always just kind of kept things really simple. I appreciate that. Yeah. Obviously, everyone's your kind of got ground to a halt here. What have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Oh, man. <laughs> so before the film came out, I was 
pretty bored. <laughs> and I did like some sailing trips, which was really fun. That's been a really cool way to like quarantine, making lots of food, um, baking bread, baking cinnamon rolls from scratch, which is really delicious. Now, since the film has come out, I am just kind of like in mode of just like, okay, gotta get prints out and try to figure out a way to bring depth to this project, even though I can't be in person with people. I really just like want to see people and like have a f this film show and be surrounded by loved ones or stuff like that, but I can't quite do that. So just trying to find ways to bring depth to this project. And of course, now that I think things have kind of opened up a little bit more, been trying to get on, on my bike as much as possible too. Assuming things go somewhat back to normal, what's the what other plans do you have for the year? Any big projects that you're working on? Um, there is nothing really like in particular. Just because I don't really all of the kind of projects that I was going to work on, I just don't think that they're gonna plan out just like trips and big projects and stuff. I really wanted to race. Racing is like something that makes me super duper happy. I just feel like I. I walk away from every bike season after I race, just feeling so good and definitely having my booty kicked in the best way. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm not really quite sure. I'm just kind of just letting kind of things unfold and seeing where things go, kind of reevaluating my expectations and really just enjoying spending time at home. Right on. You say that you love to race. Would you consider yourself a super competitive person? Um, I <laughs> that's a really good question. I would like to think that I'm maybe more like type B, less competitive, but I definitely have a competitive edge. But hopefully in a way that is really healthy. I just I love being pushed by other people. That makes sense. So it's it's like a give and take because I can see that that you like to inspire people too. So it seems like there's a balance there. You're being inspired by and kind of passing yeah. on. Oh, there's like nothing like having a bunch of people riding together or ski together and having everybody's like cups kind of flow into each other and then it overflows. And I experienced that. I do free ride competitions during the wintertime and I suck at free ride competitions. Like I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out <laughs> how to do them. <laughs> Um, yeah. But my favorite part of the competitions is you get to ski with all these people who are insanely good and just the ideas and the vigor and the play that just kind of bounces off of each other when you're in that space. It's just it makes me feel so alive. I love that you say that you that you suck at it, but that you still love to do it. I think that's that's an admirable trait for anyone. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. I think what it comes down to is that skiing and mountain biking will just be a lifelong thing and I will always be just a lifelong gaper. I think that's true for everyone who, you know, is really passionate about bikes or about about skiing or snowboarding or like whatever their particular yeah. sport of choice is, like it's a lifelong journey. And I think yeah. that people need to accept, and sometimes maybe you can't because of social media. I mean, it plays into the same thing with any part of your life, right? Or 
not your, but like anybody's life is like, well, a lot of people have this strange expectation that they have to be perfect. You know, like I grew up skateboarding and we would see skateboard videos and see guys skate and be like, what is happening? But it wasn't so immediate. It's like the social media where you're like, oh, these like 10 year old kids are so good. Like I am, you know, the bar must be here for me to be, to enjoy this. And I think it's really important for people to understand that, you know, not everyone's going to be John Tomac or Tony Hawk. And like, it's okay to just really enjoy it and enjoy the ability to progress, you know, and, and to be enthusiastic yeah. about it and to learn from other people. Totally. And I, I think for me too is sometimes I feel like we were talking about earlier about imposter syndrome. And I think, you know, I struggle with imposter syndrome and I struggle with anxiety. But like, and I have this part of me that definitely wants to just, you know, have things be perfect. But I think sometimes what is really freeing is when I get on my bike and when I get on my skis, having that space to play and fail and not have things go right and then learning from it. It's so much easier to probably do that on skis or mountain bikes than other aspects in life. <laughs> Being able to give yourself that freedom is something that makes you even more of an inspiring character for people who are watching you from the outside. I hope so. I hope pe more people Absolutely. are willing to fail. Yeah. And that's just it. Like, you know, you say you go to do something and then you, you fail at it, but you're not really failing because you're doing something that you love and you're, you're loving the process of doing it. So even quote unquote, a failure in that arena is just another type of celebration of what you're doing. Yeah. Oh man. I, I had such a moment. I raced uh, Trans Cascadia this last fall for the first time. And I was really pumped. I kind of just like got in last minute because Patagonia had somebody on their team who dropped out. And Trans Cascadia has kind of been like on my kind of like long term list, but then it just happened out of the blue. And I was going to sign up for amateur. And the last minute I signed up for pro. And oh my gosh, I got my ass whooped and handed to me every single day. And I think it was like after the first day that evening, I definitely had a moment where I just had to be like, okay, this sucks. But if I would have raced amateur, I wouldn't have gotten to spend time with these ladies who compete at such a crazy level and have this experience to spend with them and learn from them. And I just had to be like, okay, I'm going to get last pretty much every day, but it's going to be okay because I'm going to have a lot of fun. And it was the most fun experience that I had all year because it was so hard, but it was so like the community was amazing. Rad. So what's the best way for people who want to support you to help support you? Is it through buying prints through your social media? Yes, that is a really great way to support me. And of course, I love getting art to people. Um, that's kind of what's been keeping me going during these like COVID times. But yeah, I've got a link to my art on my Instagram. And then also 
my website is brooklynbelldesigns.com. Awesome. Well, Brooklyn, thank you so much for doing this. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah, it was awesome chatting with you. Thank you. Talking shit about a pretty sunset Blanket and opinions that I'll probably regret soon Changed my mind so much I can't even trust it My mind changed me so much I can't even trust myself <laughs>